Welcome back to A Dragon Tamer's Fable. If you haven't listened to the previous episodes, please do. This is a full-length novel, and you're going to get lost if you don't start with the prologue. In Chapter 38, Fauna and Seb married and were coronated. In this episode, Chapter 39, Part 1, they leave for their honeymoon, but something goes amiss. Alright, let's dive in. The following day was spent responding to his friend's off-color jokes about the wedding night and saying farewell to the vast majority of the guests. The rest would be leaving the next day, as Seb and Fauna would be leaving for their honeymoon the day following. The royal couple stood at the massive wooden doors at the entrance of the marble palace, shaking hands, giving hugs, and thanking guests. When Matthias was leaving, Maria joined them. He gave Fauna a kiss on the cheek and a hug, and plopped a hand down on Seb's head. Treat her well. You know I will. Seb smiled sweetly. He gave Matthias a warm hug, who whispered, And remember what I said, alright? Seb murmured, I will, Matt. Sebastian took Fauna's hand and gave his mother and Matthias a moment alone. His friends and Fauna's were heading out as well, and they were all traveling as a party to Deep Creek within several carriages. Nocte landed on the cliff to say goodbye, but he spooked the horses. Seb shooed him toward the palace, and Nocte growled to the horses. Who would want to eat you anyway? All muscle and no fat. Don't flatter yourselves. Seb's friends laughed, and the tamer sighed. Matthias gave Maria a kiss on her temple and a tight, lingering hug. As he headed to his carriage, Seb called out, You'll have to visit often. Matthias gave him a smile. I'm sure when I hear word of kids that I'll be back. We'll see you soon then, Seb replied. Fauna gave him a sharp elbow to the gut, and his friends laughed. (laughs) Maria shook her head with a grin, and Matthias waved farewell. By the evening, the dignitaries were gone, excepting Lord Oril, and only a few stragglers such as the Orin and other tamers remained. They were set to leave before mid-morning the following day, so Seb and Fauna devoted their time to them. The Bynes had decided to stay until Seb and Fauna left for their honeymoon, and Charles was not pleased that they weren't given more attention. Seb chased after Kirik's kids, and Fauna had a pleasant conversation with the Tamers. She learned that the amount of bandit activity had only slightly gone down after the war, which was unusual. In the past, it decreased significantly. Sebastian took more time to appreciate his new sleeping quarters he decided the exact spot where his old hunting bow would go above the mantle of the fireplace that was on the right-hand wall. The entrance to the washroom was a few feet to the left of it. It had an ornate clawfoot bathtub that Fauna was eager to make use of. The windows were tall and arched and opened inward with a brass handle. They were on the second floor and the drop to the ground below the window was no short distance. There was one window on either side of the bed along the far wall During the day, the room lit up warm and beautiful from the sun. The wolfhound puppies slept exhausted on their bed in the corner of the room. Fauna crawled into the master bed while Seb walked around the room, pondering. You've been very good lately. Good? Seb echoed. With my father. He's been good too, actually. Weirdly so. Seb shrugged. It's just a couple more days, right? 
Fauna looked away and didn't respond. Fawn. She sat up in the plush bed and pulled the duvet to her lips. You know, they've been talking. With my brother traveling and me being here, they don't have much tying them to Deep Creek. Seb remained calm. I thought the reason they didn't want to move when they married was because your mother loves Deep Creek. Fauna hesitated. Yes, but because she wanted to raise her children there. And now that we're grown... Seb felt his blood pressure rise. No. Please no. They want to move here. To Imperior, maybe, yes. Nocte's voice popped into his mind. Hey, are you alright? What's going on? Sebastian cracked his knuckles. Fauna's brother Theodore hadn't been able to make it to the wedding. He was overseas closing trading deals for his father's company. Maybe Theo will want to settle down in Deep Creek. Fauna gave him a skeptical look. He dislikes our parents more than I do, and he's never been fond of small towns. So... Seb ran both hands through his hair and groaned. Charles living on their doorstep. What a nightmare. Sebastian told Vivin the news on their hunt the following morning. The older man was quiet. What was there to say? They saw off the last of the tamers, and Seb and Fauna gave extra big hugs to Kirik and Emily's children. We're doing some sightseeing on the way home. Could you imagine these three on a non-stop journey? Kirik stifled a yawn and stepped into their carriage. His dragon would fly overhead along the way, protecting the tamer and his family. Seb, I've got some gardening I have to do before lunch, so I'll see you then. Fauna gave him a quick kiss, eager to return to her hobby. Sebastian turned to Vivin. I've got some catching up to do on reports. They made their way to his study, but not before lending a hand to a cleaning maid. Seb hoisted an old nightstand over his shoulder and joked with her on their way to the servants' quarters. It wasn't fine enough for royalty or guests anymore, but there was a servant or two or three, who were in need of one. When Seb reappeared from the room the maid showed him to, Charles was waiting for him. Seb glanced at Vivin, who was standing off to the side. Vivin raised his hands to show he had no clue what Charles Bine wanted. Good morning, how are you? Seb asked, stepping past him. Charles followed him, struggling to keep up with Seb's long stride without jogging. Do you always make a habit of helping servant girls? Seb kept his hands in his pockets and replied, Sometimes I help the servant boys, too, but only if they ask nice. Vivin knew that response wasn't going to go over well. He rested his left hand on the pommel of his longsword and waited for the ensuing hostile comments. Charles gave his two cents on every part of the wedding that he could before Seb reached his study. His father-in-law's opinions weren't kind or welcome, but Seb tuned them out. He opened the door a crack and interrupted Charles. We're going to have to continue this later. I have urgent documents to sign. Charles narrowed his eyes and Seb continued. I am the king of Rhydon, after all. Charles left reluctantly, and Seb shook his head with a grin. Vivin followed him into the study and closed the door behind them. Seb whistled a tune softly and examined a few papers on his desk. 
Why do you put up with it? Seb glanced at him, picking up a leather-bound dossier. Because I have to. Seb sprawled out on his chair and flipped through the folder. You just said it yourself. You're the king. You don't have to. Seb gave him a wry grin. I don't know why he's so unpleasant, but it is what it is. I can escape here if I need to. He shrugged and dipped his quill into an inkwell. Vivin left him alone, unconvinced. If the Bynes were considering moving to Imperior, Seb's problems with his father-in-law were only going to worsen. Sebastian armed himself with a dossier at lunch. It was his excuse to leave the table if needed. The puppies were yapping and play-fighting under the long table. Zayraid was cooing and waving a stuffed toy from his spot on Kyle's lap. Charles was glowering at Seb, and Felicita and Fauna were attempting an interesting discussion. Maria and Lord Oral were having a conversation of their own. Sebastian felt uncomfortable at his own table. He kept his head down and read. His mother didn't chide him, and Fauna kept a comforting hand on his thigh. Seb almost believed he was going to make it through lunch without an altercation. Are you going to be rude the entire meal? Charles snapped. Everyone stifled a sigh. Seb turned another page and ignored him. There was peace for half a second before Charles slammed his fist on the table. Everyone jumped, and Zayraid started to whimper. Seb slowly closed the dossier and stared at Charles evenly. I think you should apologize. The table was awkwardly silent. Charles went red with anger. You think I am the one who should be apologizing? Seb was quiet, so he snarled. You are one of the most insolent people I have ever met. Seb suppressed his anger and stood, picking up the dossier. You're right, so I'll go. Seb, Fauna said anxiously. Seb pushed in his chair and strode across the room. Seb, stay calm, Nocte soothed, using Vox Draco. Vivin grabbed his sword from where it was leaning against the wall and felt his stomach turn when Charles rushed past him to catch up to Sebastian. Alice almost wondered if she should go with them. It didn't seem like it would be a friendly interaction. Vivin followed them closely. Thank the greats, the corridors were nearly empty. Charles was shouting at Seb, and the guards looked to Vivin in alarm. He raised his hand to keep them back. Seb slowed down enough so that Charles was walking next to him and lowered his voice, slightly. This has been a mess since the beginning. You barely pay attention to my daughter. You went out drinking with your friends any chance you had. That's not true, Vivin thought. You were so drunk at your bachelor party that you didn't know you got a tattoo. Who knows what else you got yourself into? Or who? Seb glared at him, but Charles continued. I saw the way that blonde girl was staring at you the entire time she stayed here. Is she another girl you've been fooling around with behind Fauna's back? Vivin gripped the pommel of his sword angrily, and Nocte's voice entered Seb's mind again. Whatever is going on, you need to calm down. Your emotions are affecting me. Seb didn't defend himself, so Charles snarled. You danced with nearly every other woman present on your wedding night. You drop everything to help maids for simple tasks, for Cayenne's sake. I don't appreciate what you're accusing me of, Seb said quietly, taking the stairs to the second floor two at a time. 
Forgive me for not wanting an illegitimate grandchild, Charles replied vehemently. The whole country knows what kind of palace this is becoming. We have a blacksmith as our king. You put dragons above humans, not to mention the unseemly business of that elf. Sebastian struggled to keep his emotions in check. Say something, Seb. Defend yourself, Vivin pleaded silently. Hold your tongue, Seb growled. I will say whatever I please. Any other king would have cast out that harlot and her half-breed son. Charles was slammed into the wall before Seb's dossier hit the floor. Slander another soul under this roof, Charles. I dare you. Sebastian crushed Charles' throat with his powerful arm. The Great Tamer's chest rose and fell rapidly, his jaw tense. Be gone by this evening, or else. Seb stepped away, picked up his dossier, and strode on. Vivian gave Charles a cold look, with his hand on his longsword. The king was in his study by the time the guard caught up. Vivian wondered if he should speak with him, but decided it would be best to allow Seb to cool down. Ten minutes later, Maria asked him if she could see Seb. Of course. Vivian opened the door for her without looking in. As he closed it, he gave Arthur a shake of his head. Sebastian was straddling the windowsill, stroking Nocte's head. The dragon had to hover by the window, which wasn't easy, but it was rewarding. I'll eat him for you, Nocte offered. Just say the word. Seb gave him one more pat before sending him off. He remained in the window, which was a little too unsafe for Maria's comfort. She held his head to her chest and kissed his soft brown hair. How much did you hear? Seb murmured. Nothing. I thought you could use a friendly ear, though. He's been in a miserable mood. Sebastian put his arms around his mother. No matter how big he grew over the years, he still felt small in her embrace. Why does he hate me so much? He whispered. Am I really that bad, and everyone else just tolerates me? You aren't bad, dear. You can usually charm everyone you meet. She kissed his head again. I don't believe anyone ever told you this. The reason why he and your father never got along. Seb gazed up at her with curiosity. Maria looked perplexed. It isn't pleasant conversation, and I was hoping I would never have to tell you. When we were younger, Rosalind and I grew up together. We were friends. She paused, and Sebastian nodded. He already knew that. But when your father started paying attention to me, Rosalind and I drifted apart. Rosalind was a beautiful young woman, and she loved your father very much. But he ignored her because... Because Dad only had eyes for you. Maria nodded, gazing out of the arched window. Charles is a few years older than we are, but he fell for Rosalind before Speary ever came to Deep Creek. I think it upset him that she was paying attention to your father and not him when he cared for her so deeply. He doesn't need to be rude to me, though, Seb mumbled, giving his mother a tight squeeze before letting go. He doesn't, 
but he is. Now come on. Maria held out her hand to him, and Seb brought in his leg that had been dangling outside. Why don't you take your wife and I on a little walk? It's a beautiful day, Sebby. Okay. Seb smiled sweetly and let her lead him out of the study. You're feeling better. Was it your mum or Fauna? Nocte asked via Vox Draco. This time, it was mum. Seb thought and wrapped an arm around her as they walked down the hallway. After the Bind's abrupt dismissal from Magnitectus, a weight was lifted from its permanent inhabitants. Fauna and Felicita readily performed duets on the pianoforte, and Kyle joined Vivin and Seb for a hunt the following day. Sebastian was caught having a nap with Seyraid on his chest in the late afternoon, which got him a light scolding since he said he was going to be working. The day of departure for their honeymoon arrived, and with an affectionate farewell, they set out. Vivin was following them on horseback. He made them ride in a carriage. Another royal carriage left at the same time and headed in another direction, followed by Alice. Five guards accompanied Vivin, and Alice and her decoy crew. Seb grumbled the whole way. Since he and Nocte were more than capable of carrying both him and Fauna, he had done it before. However, Vivin pulled his head guard card, so Seb and Fauna cuddled in the carriage instead. They weren't fully certain of where they were headed. Vivin had actually organized the honeymoon for security purposes. Seb and Fauna didn't mind where they went, as long as it was quiet and no one would bother them. On the second day of the trip, Seb pondered out loud as Fauna rested on his shoulder. I wonder if this carriage is haunted. Fauna eyed him suspiciously. What? Seb hid his excitement. Fauna took the bait. King Aron's carriage was ambushed by bandits, and he was murdered. I heard that his vengeful spirit still haunts the carriage he was using that day. Fauna pushed away from Seb and sat in the corner with her arms folded across her chest. Stop it. Seb smirked, slowly inching toward her on the seat. It's said that at night, on the full moon, his ghost appears right over there. Seb was in the middle of pointing to the seat across from them, when Fauna tackled him, pushing him away. Sebastian burst out laughing and held her back. You know I hate scary things. Fauna smacked his chest again and pouted. I promise to fight off anything scary, Fawn. Seb smiled and moved his hands toward her slowly to grab her. Stop! Fauna laughed and pushed away his hands. Seb grabbed her and tickled her, and the sudden movement threw the weight of the carriage slightly. Vivin rode up to the window and chastised. Save it for when we get there. You're spooking the horses. Seven Fauna giggled and shared a happy kiss. Their honeymoon location was breathtaking. It was on the edge of the Enluster Sea, which had a coarse black sand beach. It was the farthest point north humans could reach unless they attempted to trek northeast into the dense forests, and only to be met by more sea. A mansion sat back from the water. It was a resort for most of the year. 
Vivian had worked as a personal guard for several clients who had vacationed there. The chef was one of the finest in the country, and they offered security guards as well. The entire resort was set aside for the king and queen. Fauna was tickled pink and spoke with the hostess while Seb gave Vivian a nod of approval. Did you bring Livy here for your honeymoon? Vivian replied, No, I took her somewhere nicer. Seb grinned and gave him a shove. There were very few places nicer than this in Rhydon. Nocte stepped onto the coarse sand timidly. It felt strange beneath his paws. Nocte took a few more steps before rolling over onto his back and wriggling around in the sand. Sebastian ran over to investigate. Fauna rejoined Vivin, who was watching the Great Tamer and his dragon. What are they up to? Fauna asked. Those two? Nothing good. Vivin grinned. Sure enough, as Seb went to test the water, Nocte came up behind him. The dragon gave Seb a playful, powerful push, sending him several feet out into the deep blue water. Fauna took an instinctive step forward, and Vivin chuckled. Sebastian emerged, cursing Nocte's name. It was only late April. The water was freezing. They had a week to relax before they had to head back to Imperior, so the newlyweds made the most of it. They slept in. They had long walks in the morning and in the evening. They explored the area from high above on Nocte's back. They took lazy naps together. Everything was peaceful and perfect. Fauna mentioned once or twice how she wished that the puppies had come along, but Seb was relieved they hadn't. He had Fauna all to himself. They scarcely saw Vivin, though they knew he was never too far away. On their fourth day during a walk through the woods, Seb lifted his chin to the canopy of trees and began to whistle a tune. Fauna knew it was one Spiri had always whistled under his breath. Seb did it justice. It was lovely until a bush began to rustle, and Fauna grabbed Seb's arm. He kept Dracocor on him during their walks, and he unsheathed it by an inch, as a precaution. It rustled again, and Fauna hurried around to the other side of Seb. Neither had expected a brown pygmy dragon to leap out at them. It chirped and swished its tail, and Seb sighed. <sighs> it's just a dragon, Fawn. He held out his hand to it, and it growled. Seb tried whistling, and the wee dragon did a twirl. It's so cute. We should take it home. No, Fauna replied flatly. Vivin appeared, wondering what the fuss was about. They seem to like you, Seb. This is the third one you've seen, isn't it? Something like that. Seb was trying to coax the dragon into letting him pet it. Aren't they supposed to be rare? Fauna wondered. They are, Vivin replied watching them interact. The little dragon sniffed Seb's hand and batted it away with its paw. The Great Tamer sighed. <sighs> it would be so much easier if I could communicate with it. In the end, the pygmy dragon disappeared since Fauna wouldn't let Seb whistle endlessly to make it stay with them. That night, Seb was woken from a dead sleep. Something had woken him. What was it? Seb, you need to wake up. 
It was Nocte, and the urgency in his voice made the young man hurry out of bed. Fauna stirred, and Seb asked as his eyes adjusted to the dim light. What's wrong? Something. But what? Seb blinked hard, locating his clothes by the moonlight. I'm not certain. There's a presence in the area. A presence? Seb grabbed Dracocor and rushed out of the room. Moonlight filled the atrium of the mansion. He took the stairs two at a time and headed for the door. Something caught his eye. Vivin? The headguard lifted a finger to his lips and motioned for Seb to stay low. He had his sword drawn and was leaning against the wall in the shadows by the front double doors. Sebastian stepped back into the shadows by the stairs. The curtains were half-drawn, casting moonlight on the floor. Nocte, status? I'm flying overhead right now. Whatever it is, it would be stupid for it to try entering the building. No sooner did he say that, than a figure crossed in front of the window. Seb drew Dracocor and looked to Vivin. The former mercenary was still, patiently waiting for the intruder to open the door. Seb realized the doors were unlocked, no doubt by Vivin, on purpose. Nocte, there's someone outside the door. Move in. The handle clicked, and the door moved in slightly. Seb gripped the hilt of his sword. Seb, what are you talking about? There's no one there. What? He strode to the door, and Vivin glared at him, jumping between him and the door. With his sword held at shoulder level to launch an attack, he opened it. The men stood there for a moment, stunned. Nothing was there. Vivin dashed outside, and Seb was close on his heels. Kaylee and Nocte were flying low above the trees. Two of the other palace guards ran over to Vivin, and Seb spoke with Nocte when he landed. Kaylee joined them, and Seb learned that she had informed Vivin ten minutes before Nocte woke Seb. She hadn't seen whoever it was, either. Vivin huffed and shook his head when he dismissed the guards. How could no one have seen him? We both saw his shadow, didn't we? Seb shrugged. I thought so, but people don't vanish into thin air. Even the elves didn't have the ability to teleport. Vivin ran a hand through his thick, black hair. It could have been that pygmy dragon, and the light played tricks. He stroked Kaylee's feathered jaw and murmured, Regardless, it isn't safe here anymore. Seb nodded, somewhat reluctantly. So much for a honeymoon. Is Fauna awake? No, she's asleep. Let her sleep until morning. We'll leave at first light. For the second time in less than six months, Vivin sat watch outside of the royalty's door until dawn. Fauna was shocked when she heard of the night's events, and agreed without hesitation that they should leave. Who knew if the mystery figure would return, and possibly with friends? Seb looked gloomy while they packed their bags and headed out to the carriage. He went to hand them off to the driver when Vivin stopped him. Why don't you pack a bag with essentials? I think I know another area if you don't want to return to Imperior. Seb grinned and held up a small leather bag. I was really hoping you would say that. The carriage can take the other bags. We'll need to fly to have enough time. 
Nocte followed Kaylee along the north coast for an hour before she banked left and land. The guards flew around them on high alert. They would do whatever Vivian asked of them since he was their employer, but they had to wonder, was flying to somewhere unplanned truly safe? It took half a day of riding to reach a little logging town deep in the northeastern forest. Not far past it was the Umbra Forest, which became so dense and inhospitable that no one cared to live there. Viel was nestled in a mountain range. Some of the mountains still had snow caps. Welcome to Viel. Vivian offered his hand to Fauna as she hopped down from Nocte's bare back. This is the most northeastern town in Rydon. It's quaint, Fauna said politely. The houses were small and log, and there weren't many. A butcher and a blacksmith were the only buildings set apart. The mill was out of town, to the north. Why here? Seb wondered. Vivin gave him a sly grin. I know that there's a legend of a group of tamerless dragons that live in the Umbra. Really? Seb said excitedly, and Fauna sighed. How close? Well, they're legends, hearsay, so I don't even know their exact location. They don't want to be found. What am I supposed to do while you two are off hunting make-believe dragons? Fauna raised an eyebrow. Come with us, Seb smiled. Fauna was about to scowl when an elderly woman walked over and introduced herself, since she saw the dragons. She assumed they must have been from the city to come and search for the lone dragons. She often put up travelers at her house. She was lonely since her husband passed. Fauna pulled Seb aside and frowned at him. What? He blinked. Are you really going to leave me here while you go off? This is our honeymoon. Seb held Fauna's hands. I may not get this chance again for a very long time. I would love being able to chase after them, even if it ends up being a myth. But I'll go back to Imperior if you're unhappy. Fauna debated whether she should fall for the guilt trip. Vivin had flown them out here, knowing how much Sebastian would enjoy it. Fauna returned to the elderly woman and took her arm to provide support. I would be glad to keep you company. Oh, how lovely. The woman relied on Fauna more than her cane. Tell me, dear, do you knit? Vivin signaled for three of the guards to follow after them. You're lucky she loves you, he muttered under his breath. Yeah, I know. I'll return the favor down the line. He mounted Nocte. Lead the way, Vivin. They flew next to each other, with two guards following at a respectable distance. As far as Seb and Nocte could gather, Vivin didn't know much about the location of the dragons. They were supposed to be east of Viel, and they would gather in a clearing. Unfortunately for anyone trying to locate the elusive dragons, there were clearings throughout the forest due to logging. And, to make matters more difficult, the mountains made it difficult to visualize all of the clearings. Seb was skeptical. So they're just going to be sitting in a clearing somewhere, waiting to be found? They had to shout over the wind rushing past their ears. Choose a clearing and we'll investigate. Seb laughed. <laughs> what are we looking for? Dragon droppings? 
Vivin rolled his eyes, and Killy's chest rumbled with amusement. Thank you for this, Seb smiled sincerely. You and me and our dragons, and an adventure. I was starting to worry I'd never have this experience again. Vivin wasn't certain what to make of that comment. It was unsettling, in a way. Seb was so young, but the entirety of his young life would be spent under close guard, ruling Rhydon. Before Vivin could reply, Seb pointed to a clearing and Nocte swooped down underneath Kaylee. Nocte flew straight downward at an alarming rate. Seb gripped onto his dragon as tight as he could, uncertain if he should shout in exhilaration or beg Nocte to stop. Just as he started to lift from Nocte's back, the dragon unfurled his wings and they jerked up promptly before landing. Seb slipped off of Nocte's back and staggered for a moment before flopping on the ground. Kaylee landed, and Vivin shook his head, leaning against her with his arms folded across his chest. The other two guards landed and ran to offer assistance to the king, but Vivin yawned. Leave him. He'll recover. So heartless, Seb groaned, clutching his gut. I think my stomach is still in the clouds somewhere. He stood, feeling winded, but able to walk. Nocte butted him in the back with his scaled head, and Seb grinned. If the lone dragons were here, they probably won't be anymore. The dragons ducked around the mountains and landed a few more times, but Sebastian didn't feel pulled to any particular clearing. It wasn't until Nocte shuddered beneath him that the Great Tamer had hope of finding the lone dragons. What is it? These mountains have a primal energy. It was something I didn't realize I was missing until now. I understand why these dragons live out here in solitude. Would you? Hmm? If something happened to me, is this where you would come? Nocte growled. I hate those questions. If anything ever happens to you, I will take my own life. Nocte! Seb cried aloud in distress. Life without you is not worth living, Seb. Sebastian stared down at his hands that clutched Nocte's black opal scales. He loved Nocte with all his heart, but if Nocte was slain, he wasn't certain if he could leave everything and everyone behind. There! Nocte blasted down into a valley. If the lone dragons gather anywhere, it's there. Mist coiled around their feet as they stood in the center of a clearing. The sky was overcast, and clouds hung low over the mountain slopes. Kaylee shivered and crouched low to the ground. Seb felt it, too. There was an ominous power in the valley. All of a sudden, a strange sound filled the air. The guards drew their swords, and the dragons crouched down instead of preparing to attack. The strange sound was dozens of dragons flying into the valley. Thanks for listening to Chapter 39, Part 1 of A Dragon Tamer's Fable, and thank you for supporting the podcast so far. I hope you're enjoying it. This is your second reminder to send in your questions for the Q&A episode between Chapters 40 and 41. If you have any questions about the podcast, the story, or anything in between, 
please DM me on Instagram or Facebook at a DTF podcast or email dragontamerpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget, if you're a Spotify user, you can also leave your question there. Until next time, keep slaying anything but dragons. <laughs>